Where Ideas Launch, the podcast for the sustainable innovator. We won't save the planet by recycling 50% of our waste. We save it by not creating waste. Season two goes heavily into circular business models and innovation while creating a space to discuss issues important to our society, like education. Join me and my guest as we explore and create pathways toward a future for the planet. Siobhan Guyan started his career in Silicon Valley, working for a big four accounting firm and worked his way up the corporate ladder to senior director. He then served as CFO for a Chinese American startup in Los Angeles, and then co-founded Found Lifestyle, designed to create impact by ending world hunger one meal at a time. Siobhan, welcome to Where Ideas Launch. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Hearing you say that back is, um... Is, is, is really interesting because we write it and we state every single day in our company, but to hear someone else speak it, it's quite, um, you know, I get a little bit of goosebumps. <laughs> no, that's wonderful. It's, it's really a pleasure to have you. And as you pointed out before we got started, you are the first Trinidadian person who is on the show with me. Ooh. And being, <laughs> being a Trini myself, it's, it's really, I feel a lot of pride in sharing the story of, of Trinidadian startups and, and Trinidadian startups that are global in nature. So tell us, tell us a bit about Found. So... So found is, you know, found was created um, to essentially to save time. It was a convenience app, right? Um, this, this idea for this app started, you know, well before COVID and it was just meant to um, save people time from queuing um, for food and drink and just give people time back um, from their, you know, very busy days. Then COVID hit and we started instantly seeing a lot of um, advantages to having the app and, and um, you know, very much in line with the, the British government's um, kind of advisory not to use paper menus anymore because of the transmission of germs and things like that, not to have crowding in venues and all that sort of stuff we're all very aware of. And using a food ordering app then becomes the next natural progression of how you uh, patronize food and beverage venues. And so we started saying, wow, this is a, an even amazing opportunity. And as we progressed every few months in startup life, uh, we realized that there was a lot of um, opportunity to do something beyond the commercial side of the business. And my co-founder and I, um, Alex James, hi to Alex. I know he's, he's listening and he's going to be listening to this. Um, Alex is our CEO. So we always had in mind to have a charitable element to what we did. And we said, okay, well, let's, um, we were playing in food tech. Let's say, let's do something else. What, what are the food related needs of this world? And obviously when you go for calls to actions and, and moral compasses in terms of you know, corporate behaviors, we, we always tend towards the UN and see what is in demand in the world. And we happened upon, of course, the very well-known um, sustainable development goals of, of the UN for 2030. And as it would have it, number two was zero hunger. And then we thought, okay, well, great. There's a direct correlation between us having a food ordering app and there being a need to help with food, with food hunger and food poverty across the world. And, you know, those might not seem relatable things that you could do with a small startup, but we, we came to the conclusion that you know, we don't have to solve world hunger, but we have to help it out. 
and it's not it's it's less of us being the 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 solution and more of the instigators for a revolution of thinking about how everybody can play a part to better humanity and that sounds very idealistic but um, as as you as you said in your introduction of me I'm I'm no it was we say in the Caribbean spring chicken um, I'm not uh, I'm, unfortunately I missed the millennial boat and um, I think what I'm called is a zennial right just before millennials right and um, I've proven myself in the corporate world. I've, I've made enough money. Um, you know, I've, I've done, I've been successful. There comes a point in your life as, a, as an adult where you want some sort of purpose in life beyond the paycheck. And if I was going to create something, uh, I, I want some sort of a legacy. I want some sort of an impact. And that's where the idea came to. This should not be an element of the app anymore. This should be the reason we exist. Right. This should be the movement that we start because there's, as you know, a proliferation of food ordering apps around the world. We've done our extensive research. None of them do anything like this. And it begs the question, why? Why hasn't billion dollar valued food ordering apps never thought about, you know, tackling food hunger and food poverty? So it didn't really matter to us. We just said, well, let's be the first to do it. Um, and, and, you know, and that's really how things, how things evolve. So with found, just to tell you what it does, it's not dissimilar to a food delivery app. You can search for food at your favorite restaurants in your proximity, you can order. The only thing that's different is the destination. So we've catered a lot to um, the in venue dining space, whereas delivery apps kind of keep you at home. And the reason we, we, we had that focus was because Restaurants, as everybody knows, the hospitality industry is suffering and it has been suffering. And there's been a lot of calls for supporting your local, um, you know, pub and, and, and um, cafes just to make sure that they keep alive during this uh, pandemic because the doors are closed. As we all know, um, we're in lockdown mode. So we decided that we would create an app that would help people to return to venues, right? Once it was safe to do so. And, and offer benefits for people going in and patronizing these venues and keeping the doors open and the lights on. And so that's why we focused in that space. And so with the app, you can basically order food to your table and, and do so safely because you're not touching menus. You don't have to speak to a waiter um, and you don't have to um, use cards to make your payment. Everything is done from the convenience of your smartphone. So it's the next evolution in food ordering and we're happy to be part of it. It's really exciting. I love hearing about about this type of solution because this is what the world really needs. We need we need real solutions and we need things that create impact. And I think that digital first startups have such a fantastic opportunity to go directly into that sustainability space. So it's wonderful to see you guys taking that bold step. I wanted to ask a little bit about, about your background and, and how you come to be in this space. So I always find it interesting as an accountant myself, who's found herself in a completely different space. How did you find your way to, to being the founder of a startup? Um, I get questioned a lot of times about, you don't, you don't have the personality of an accountant, uh, whatever that means. You don't have the personality of an auditor, that, you know, whatever that means. Um, I, I fell into accounting, the accounting world by chance. Um, I won a contest um, on a casting call to one of the big four firms. And I was just good at accounting. I didn't particularly like it, but I was good at it. And I, I think I liked the competition more than I did accounting. And um, I was given you know, pretty much an internship 
uh, that was paid for paying for my ACCA, um, which is, for those of you who don't know, it's the professional certification to become a chartered accountant. And, you know, being 17, 18 years old at the time, I had no di real direction in life and that, that sounded good. And so I, I jumped on it. And therefore that started the career with a firm that took me for 14 years all around the world doing accounting, auditing, finance, that sort of thing. Um, you know, I got into a stage in my career as a senior director um, uh, where I said, oh, well, great. What's the next step in life? I was approaching 40. So I'm giving away my age right now. I was approaching 40 and I was um, looking for something more. And um, during my MBA, I really, really felt drawn to innovation and um, vent new ventures and that sort of kind of calling. I really, really felt it. And I said, well, let me do something about it. I'm 40. I'm doing my, my MBA. Let's take the leap. What's the worst that can happen? I think I'm, I'm employable, I hope. Um, if this doesn't, if this doesn't, um, you know, pan out, but you know, the thing about, about entrepreneurship, Catherine, as you would know, is you've got to just do it. You can't, you can't delay. I, I had delayed even doing my MBA for six years. And then I just said, you know what, if I start now, I'll be finished at 40. So let me start. That was literally the deadline. And so I, I fell into this space. I put the feelers out there and I got my first job as a CFO in a startup. And boy, was that different. <laughs> that, was, that was not the structure I was accustomed to. That was not the challenges I was accustomed to. It was, it was it, my, my professional um, outlook was turned upside down. But you yeah. know what? I thrived and I really enjoyed it. And then became the natural progression. I've got to do something on my own. And when I met my business partner, the rest is history, as they say. It's it's quite funny because there's so much structure in consulting, right? There's so there's so many methods, processes. Everything is, you know, recycled in a way. So you you have those templates coming forward, and when you get into startup world, it's anything but because you really have the purview of the entire business, right? So you're no longer an accountant. You are everything. You are sales. You are marketing. You you are brand. You are you know operations. You are everything in that business. So it really takes um a a certain type of individual as well to to tackle that challenge and and you're definitely doing it with with some great brilliance so, <laughs> so so tell us about where founders launched already and what are your plans so we are actually pre-launch our launch date is coming up very soon march 1st in the uk we've got some venues on board already and uh, we're going to take it slow we're not going to go for a mass launch at first we're gonna be partners this film. We'll probably just start off with our takeaway business and just make sure the tech works like the way we wanted to, um, take some initial feedback from the market. And you know, we we tested it, it works, we know it does, but you know, you never know what happens when you launch it in the market. So we're we're gonna take it quite slow and then build up for about six weeks, and then we're gonna announce, well, um, we're gonna announce a massive partnership that we've managed to secure. And I don't know if we should talk about it. Maybe we, we can talk about it here. Why not? Um, we were able to sign a, an incredible partnership with the folks at Feeding Britain. And I'm pretty sure a lot of Brits are very familiar with um, charity. They're the biggest food charity, uh, I believe, in the UK. And they really believed in what we were doing. They loved that we made giving incidental to what people were doing every day. So I'm ordering food. So our tagline is, um, you know, uh, you buy a meal, we give a meal. 
So it's, you order for your food and it doesn't cost you anything extra and you get to give a meal to someone else. And so they really love the idea. We partnered with them. And so every time you out there, every time you place a meal on our platform, there's someone in need that gets a meal in the UK, right? It's in your country. It was really important for us to do that, Catherine, because a lot of times we see charities and we see funds of some faraway country when there's a lot of you know, distress in our home environments. And we wanted to make sure that Brits were able to feed Brits that were in need. So look after your countrymen, as we, as we say in the Caribbean as well. So we're going to echo that business model um, and replicate that business model wherever we go. We will try to find local charities where people can actually benefit from and see it happening in their environment. So you know what? I, Catherine, or I, Siobhan, or I, George, I've contributed to this particular cause and look, look at what is happening in my own home. So yeah, that, that's, that's where it came from and that's where we are. We, we're going to, after, after the UK, we're going to be headed to the Middle East, um, to Dubai. Then we're looking at the big old uh, US of A. That's going to be a big giant to take on. Um, but you know what? We make it work. We think we've got a great USP here and it's going to resonate with a lot of people who, who think beyond themselves in this world. And there are a lot of good people out there. So that's where we're headed. Definitely. That's wonderful. So tell us a bit about, about the journey of this app. So I know that COVID has presented us with many challenges and you talked about, you know, the app starting off being a convenience app and then pivoting now to, to something that has become more in, in many ways. So tell us about the lessons that you've learned along the way um, in making this pivot and in bringing this to, to life. Oh, lessons. Where do I start? <laughs> Where, where do I start? Um, you know, I think that uh, a lot of people, and, and I, I do understand a, a bit of the listenership of this, of this podcast, and I think we're all pretty much in the same age bracket. And my, my number one lesson is if, if you open your eyes on a particular morning and you feel any resentment towards going to work, then you probably shouldn't be going to work at that place, right? You got to introspect. You got to just do it. You know, there's never going to be uh, an optimal time to start a business. There's always kids. There's always family. There's always a pet. I don't have enough money in the bank. There's going to be, uh, you know, a, a long list of excuses you can come up with at any point in time. So it's just got to be, just do it. And when you do do it, understand why you do it. Get to the why as soon as possible. Because when you get to that why, that fire is lit under you so that that every morning, listen, this, this journey, as you well know, is not an easy one. You get up every morning and sometimes you say, oh, what am I doing? I could have a nice cushy job as a CFO in a company, work, clock my you know, nine hours a day, collect my salary and you know, live a great, comfortable, lovely life. Uh, but uh, you gotta find your why and say, you know, that's not what I want. That's not what I want out of life. And, and it's not for everybody, as you said. So. It took us a little bit of time to find that why, but once we found that why, we have, there's no looking back. Yeah. So I would say those are my three big lessons. Yeah, and, and what are the sort of tips that you would give to startups now? Like some of the things that possibly we could, we could uh, focus on learning at the beginning, you know, things that will help us get through this journey. I would say, you know, for me, um, I would say having a like-minded business partner and co-founder was really important. There's a lot of mental 
angst when you're doing something like this and having somebody to help along with that moral support. You can have your wife, your husband, whoever, but somebody has to be in the trenches with you to understand when things go awry, why it matters. Because I could say, you know what, this deal fell through and you know my partner can say, well, sorry, honey, but only your business partner knows why that's a big deal to you. They can really relate. So I think finding a co-founder and a like-minded partner that, that aligns to your vision is really, really important. Um, I think what I, what I learned, even though I had 14 plus years in consulting all over the world, what I didn't know was way more than I thought I knew. <laughs> so um, you, you don't know it all, don't expect to know it all, but surround yourself with a group of advisors who are smarter than you are, who are more experienced than you are, and who you can use as a sounding board. Absolutely. I think our business really, we were trying to go it on our, our own. And when we started um, bringing in advisors to us, um, and by the way, there's a lot of advisors free of charge who just want to see startups grow. So there are people out there who believe in your, in your cause and will come in and offer their services absolutely for free. And when we started doing that, you know, it was just like a, a lighting, lighting bulb moment, you know, it, it it was crazy and direction became clear. We had a place to air our ideas, concerns, frustrations. So I think gathering a group of advisors, definite second step. And, uh, and I think for us, knowing that everything will take longer than you think it's gonna take, right? So have some patience. We were meant to launch this app last uh, August, September, right? And then the second lockdown happened and then, you know, things, things happen and it can, it can break you if you don't have patience. Um, but, but be steadfast in that patience is what I would say. Yeah. yeah it, it always helps to have a bit of cash in the bank as well. <laughs> I'll think about it. Oh yeah. Learn to live on less money than you do. I would add that as a fourth one. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's great. And tell us about, I know you've done a crowdfunding campaign. Tell us about how, how that has supported your growth as well. It's been really instrumental to us in many different ways. Um, we, as a startup, as, as a company that was just trying to figure out who we were, um, we said we didn't want to get into the angel investment mode. Uh, we didn't want to give up a whole bunch of equity in our company before we even knew what we had. So we said, let's, let's create a vision. Let's put that out there. Let's see what the public thinks about it. So we got ourselves listed um, on, on Crowdcube, which is a very popular um, crowdfunding campaign uh, platform. And instantly we started getting feedback in from potential investors. Some of them aren't great. Some of them are harsh. Some of them, but you, you, you've got to take the punches if you want to be an entrepreneur, right? There will always be people who will doubt what you do, will shut down your ideas, will always say it will never work. Somebody else is doing it better than you are. The list is crazy. Equally, there will be people who believe in you. And I found that a lot of people that invested in us, invested in us not be only because of the business idea, but because of us as professionals, as, as individuals, as as persons uh, with integrity. And a lot of it had to do with the career that I had built up previously. I, I felt a lot of people say, well, I've worked with Siobhan, so I know he's a stand-up guy. Um, I know that he works hard. I know that, and this is when your network becomes really, really important. And I will say a lot of the funds that we raised through our crowdfunding 
actually came from people who knew us, but not necessarily people who we reached out to, right? So they saw you were doing something. They're like, you know what? I want to get involved in that. Let me hear the idea. This guy is good. Let me join. And so we, unfortunately, <laughs> we were crowdfunding amidst the confusion of um, the lockdowns, the second lockdown and whether or not it was going to happen. And so it, it, it did dim the lights a little bit, but we were very lucky to close ours um, over 90% funded, which for a brand new first, first time outing, massively successful. I will say thank you to everybody who's listening, who was a part of that. And what that has done for us, Catherine, is given us a few months of of good runway, of good time to develop who we are. If we didn't have the money that we raised, we would have been, you know, shot dead in the water. But now because of that, we had that that momentum and that time to think and really, really get the right people on board. And yeah. so, yeah, I think it was it was instrumental to what we are now. We're looking forward to the next crowdfunding campaign in a few months. Yeah, it's interesting because we spoke, I think it was in September that we first spoke. Right. And, and in fact, the business has changed since we first spoke. So, so it's, it's quite remarkable to see that, that it has had a, an impact. It has had a contribution. Massively. It really, it really has, you know, in terms of the technology that you can afford to do, um, the marketing support that you can get, um, and the more minds you get into the picture. Yeah. Um, and also in, in Cell, we've got 284 investors. And yes. the fact that 284 people think that this is a good idea enough to put money amidst the pandemic into it, they could see the vision that really gave us a bit of a, uh, you know, a pat on the back. Yeah. So, you know, you guys are going in the right direction. It's, it's fantastic. It's really wonderful. So I have a final question and it's more of a personal question. What's it like being a Trini living in Dubai? Oh, <laughs> um, listen, I believe that the expat character and the expat prototype is a, a, a universal one, not limited to nationality. And I love my country. I'm a Trinity to the bone. I let people know where I come from, even if they don't ask about it. <laughs> I, I introduce them to our, our sayings. Um, last night I was telling a friend, don't worry about it. Don't bust your brain on that. And she was like, bust your brain. You know, so I, I, I was, I, I always delight in sharing my culture wherever I go. And, and being in Dubai, so far from the Caribbean, where we have a very, very, very small uh, Caribbean population, I open my mouth and um, I, can, I can see the, the, the curiosity. And I'm very, very um, happy to be uh, an ambassador of Trinidad and Tobago wherever I go in the world, especially in the Middle East. And I think I should start a tourism company when it's safe to do that because Carnival 2022, so many people want to go back and, and experience the, the magic of the Caribbean. So yeah, that, that, but, but, but like-minded individuals who are expats, you know, they all, they all merge together and we become each other's family, uh, as you well know, when you're, when you're away from your blood family. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. This has been fantastic, Siobhan. Thank you for joining us on the show. And we look forward to your launch. And if you want to let people know how they can find out more and how they can download the app, um, you know, let them know. And, and I will definitely share it when we when we make the podcast live. Sure, guys. Um, we are available. We're in the app stores right now in the Android app store as well and the Google Play store and the iOS um, app store. And um, we can go to our website at foundlifestyle.com 
and check us out on the socials or found lifestyle underscore UK on Instagram. That's where we, we make the magic. Um, so yeah, we welcome you to download the app, um, tell, a, tell a local uh, bar or restaurant or cafe in your neighborhood about us. Um, tell us, tell them about our cause, ask them to be part of this zero hunger revolution that we're starting and you be part of it as well. So thanks for the support in advance, Catherine. It's been just amazing being here. Wonderful. Great to have you. And thanks for joining the show. Thanks for listening. This podcast was brought to you today by Career Sketching with Catherine Ann Byam and the space where ideas launch. Career Sketching is a leadership development and coaching brand offering personalized career transition and transformation services. The Space Where Ideas Launch offers high-performance group leadership coaching and strategy facilitation to businesses in the food and health sectors. To find out more, contact Catherine Ann Byam on LinkedIn.